Hey everybody, welcome back to Just Friends. As always, I'm your host, Mitchell Embry, and this week we've got part two of our conversation with Troy. Part one was amazing. I don't know if we could top it, but I think we may have done it. Part two is just as good, and I know you guys are looking forward to hearing it because you've already waited like four days. So I'm not going to take up any more of your time. We're going to jump right in. So without further ado, I am proud to present to you the second half of our conversation with the unforgettable Mr. Troy Davis. So I was able to kind of make it full circle and come back to UPS. And right now what I'm trying to do, so I work in our finance and accounting department, but what I'm trying to transition into is our solutions team that works very closely with the engineering group. And we work on layouts and business processes and trying to bring new clients on. So you're not the business development or sales team, but you're a part of basically understanding the client's needs and finding out how UPS can best fit that situation and then bringing them on as a client. So I don't think I would be able to get any other solutions or engineering job outside of UPS because I don't have the education. Right. And most employers rely pretty heavily on that, even though it's mostly nonsense. Because a hundred percent, yeah. Well, right. not a hundred percent, but quite a bit, yes. Right. Unless you go to like a specific university and study a very what's a, just a, a specific right. piece of education that like is only useful in this type of business, then I think the whole university thing is just a little too much. It's mostly just proof that you can do something hard and finish it. Right. And I think there's value to that. Certainly. And that's really all it is. It's just like, I've, I can jump through these hoops. If you put some hoops out that you want me to jump through, I'll jump through those too. That's right. That's all it really is, I think. So then in college, I did what I never thought I was going to do. So I joined a fraternity. Oh, yeah? For a little bit. I had been hanging out with these guys for a couple years. And people had brought it up. Hey, would you like to join? And I thought it was you know, I was like, I'm already doing whatever you all are doing. Like, I don't need to know a handshake or a password. That just wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, I sort of kind of gave in. I joined, I think there were maybe eight or nine of us in my pledge class, pretty small. And it turns out to be a pretty fun experience. Um, I still remember a lot of what we had to go through. But at the same time, I could have done college without that right i was already pretty interconnected with all of those guys so um delta tall delta is the fraternity they ended up getting kicked off <laughs> shortly after i left western because we basically didn't contribute to really anything to like the whole like what is it what is that called uh the philanthropy business well, or no like just the whole the whole like fraternity uh just Greek life. Greek. Yeah. yeah. The whole Greek Dolan system. Greek. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like we had like a um, philanthropy that we would support. So we were oh, involved yeah. that way. Um, so like JDRF, um, the diabetes. Oh, Research that's cool. Foundation. Yeah. So we did that. And then I was pretty connected with that. I would like lead like the philanthropy efforts in our community. And then I also was like our pledge educator once I was in. It's like a new class I took on, I think like a spring recruiting class, which was nice because 
I had a little age on some of these guys, even though I had just joined and it was all still very fresh. These new kids that were coming to college. Little 19 year old spring chickens. And you know, I'm 22. Right. And I'm thinking like, there's like a 20 year age gap between these. They just (laughs) acted like infants Mm -hmm. and they couldn't do anything for themselves. Everything was somebody else's fault. And I really didn't know how to just be accepting of that. Mm-hmm. Um, just I see it every day, you know, whether it's people that I work with or hearing about it on the news or definitely in politics. Now, that's it's always somebody else's fault. Yeah. And I don't know. People need to take ownership. I think. Do you feel like you had to learn that early just because of the adversity that you faced as a young person? Like you had to. It was either like, either wallow in my own self pity and fucking just lay here and accomplish nothing, right? Or suck it up, Buttercup. Do what needs to be done, and perhaps there were some challenges along the way because you didn't have a, a map. But you realized early that it was either you got this shit done, or nobody was going to do it for you. That's right. From about the age of maybe as early as like six or seven. I was waking myself up each morning. Wow. See. Preparing breakfast, would catch the bus, like my mom's still like asleep. And I've been doing that forever. It's just been something that I've always been good at, holding my own self accountable. And then that went away for a while. And now it's starting to come back because I'm realizing the importance of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that although my parents weren't always there, I also had people in my life like my uncle Jeff that had come through some tough times and are now quote unquote successful. Like they had, you know, whether it was with their careers or with their family and their children and their marriage, they're doing some things that I wanted to do. I want to have the family and the marriage and all of that because I didn't really have that whenever I was a kid. Maybe if I would have seen that, then I wouldn't be so eager to run out and get that now. Mm Mm-hmm. But I mean, now that like I'm starting to build this life with my fiance, that I'm starting to see like how things can be so challenging because of being together is such a great thing. But we had talked earlier, people coming from different backgrounds and Dallas and I certainly have, but there's still so much that I've learned from her. And I think she's learning a lot from me also that those two different sides really complement each other in an interesting way. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot because Sarah and I also have similar experiences where, um, are you familiar with ACEs? They're adverse childhood experiences. No, I should. through my, just, I'm a teacher. Everybody knows that already. But I've, and working in a school where there's a lot of trauma just in the student population in general, there's a test that you can take It's like a 10 question test and it's adverse childhood experiences. And if you have like more than three of these, you're much, much more likely to suffer from anxiety and depression. You're much, much more likely to be, uh, have a substance abuse issue. On average, people who haven't dealt with their trauma can expect to live like 15 years less than somebody who has no ACEs. I have seven of the 10. Sarah has zero. So like there's sometimes where my perspective is just like so different 
and I've had to come to terms with the fact that like actually she's probably healthier than I am in general. And this kind of brings me to something I want to ask you about because you touched on this earlier off mic and it's something that I think is so important. You're the second person that I've had on the podcast who has lost a parent. The first was Caitlin Stratton, Jake's wife. You lost yours much earlier than she did. She lost hers last year. Her mom had brain tumor and it ultimately ended in in her death, which is very traumatic. But Caitlin had to pursue and she chose to pursue lots of therapy. And I think she ultimately decided that she benefited from that a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's something that has been so taboo for such a long time. Excuse me. People don't want to talk about how important it is to air those things and then just get a, a person who's understands that perspective perhaps personally but or perhaps they've just studied about it a lot i think probably if they can relate on a personal level it's better but just having that fresh perspective and just being able to articulate that to somebody else and talk through those problems there's just so much value there so much value and i've been in the process of like trying to pursue therapy of my own and like trying to figure out like who i want to talk to and and uh, the big challenge I'm having is that shit is fucking expensive. Yes. Ridiculously expensive. But I really, could you talk about that? Because do you feel like you benefited from the the amount that you've done and just how it's improved your life? So for the longest time, I didn't even give it any thought. Yeah, me either. I thought you like, bitch, you're going to therapy? What's fucking wrong with you? Exactly. I thought it was, there's like a weakness mm-hmm. in it. And... I couldn't have been more wrong, even though I've done very little. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think connected Dallas and I so early on was she kind of introduced me to a therapist that I went to see for maybe, I don't know, just a handful of sessions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's all it takes. Right. But it was expensive. It was like $69. Yeah. Just to go sit down for an hour. For an hour, yeah. And which... I don't know. Maybe I should go be a therapist. (laughs) Dude, I think you can get like hundreds of dollars an hour if you're good at it. If you're good. Yeah. And this lady was good. Oh, that's awesome. She worked with my insurance and however that worked, but it didn't matter the amounts of money I would throw into my HSA. Like just, it just seemed to deplete, Mm -hmm. you know, much more rapidly. So I went with her, but at the time I met Dallas. I was busy with my business, busy at work. And things were going relatively well. Like I went after kind of like the loss of my grandma. So we had talks about that, but then there were so many things that we had to uncover Mm -hmm. from early on in my childhood. Right. But we started to work through those things. And then eventually she just told me, she said, I'll always be here for you. But right now I feel like we don't need to continue doing this because of how positive I was talking about everything. Yeah. I do think there are times whenever you should take those breaks and not go. I don't think it should be something that you should be doing all the time. Maybe that's just me, but I have like even losing Riley this week. I've thought about going back to that because there are just things that I struggle with internally because I've seen how differently other people's lives are. And I just need to have like an extra little bit of support. 
And you're not always going to get that from friends and family. Right. Because there are things that I just flat out don't want to bring up to my friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm a very honest person now about things. I'm very honest with Dallas. That's one thing like her and I go back and forth on is we don't lie to one another. Like, and that's why I think her and I have done so well so early on is because I haven't kept any secrets. I mean, that's what's important to me now. But I have lied to the closest people in my life over and over about things. I mean, I've avoided like getting out of um, a Christmas gathering one year and like made up some lie just because I didn't want to go to Christmas. Right. It's Christmas. Right. Like you're supposed to be joyful and it's the holiday season and loving and family and just this togetherness. And I wanted no part of it. And that went on for maybe a few years. Yeah, I can relate to that. A lot of times the holidays can be really hard, even though they're supposed to be those times of joy. Like, because I have trauma that's associated with holidays from my past, just like negative holidays. Yes. Sarah's like, why do you feel so, why do you see some sad, some seem so sad? I'm pretty sure we married the same person. (laughs) Maybe we did. (laughs) Dallas says the exact same thing. We went through this and I think like that first like holiday season we were together. So we've gone through two together. But the first one, everything was still so brand new with our relationship. And I'm pretty sure I brought it up because like, you know, I'm losing my mother in October and then I lost my grandmother in like a January, even though they were, you know, more than 10 years apart, like 15 years, but not having those two people in my life, I just don't want to do the holidays, but I see how like, it's so important to her, even if it's just her and I and her two parents just us four having our Thanksgiving dinner or having like the new year's good luck dinner. That's like, I look forward to that now. Yeah. And it's it, this last holiday season was pretty difficult because it was just one of those down years mm-hmm. and Dallas wasn't having it. She <laughs> like did not know what was wrong with me. And I tried telling her and she was like, where was this like the year before? You know, you were so like full of joy. And I said, yeah, you know, I I was like just looking back at pictures. But one thing that I'm trying to change is like since she loves traditions, Mm -hmm. I need to be a little more respectful of that. And whether I'm having a down day or a down month, I just need to know that like it's not about Troy. I've been so caught up with that for basically, you know, my entire life. I, I wanted it to be about me and I need to know that that's, that's just not healthy for myself and for the people that are close to me. That's something I think I feel kind of like you're speaking to me right now. Cause I think that's something that I need to realize. Um, especially once you get into a relationship, like you gotta start, to, you gotta start thinking of yourself as a unit. Mm-hmm. And so I want to ask you this cause I'm curious and I'm not trying to knock on anybody who met their significant other early on in their life and who's like high school sweethearts or anything like that. But I feel really lucky that I didn't wind up in a relationship that lasted forever when I was like 22 because I wasn't ready to choose the right partner. Right. But when I met Sarah, I was 27. I was just, I wasn't just out of, but I had kind of gotten out of a relationship that had been an on and off thing for a really long time. And I was finally no longer infatuated with like this, I guess, vision of a person that I had fallen in love with. And I was really ready to like try to kind of meet somebody. And I was also very aware of what I wanted out of a person. 
and I feel so lucky that I met Sarah and that we got to, that at least for me because she's younger she's quite a bit younger than me she's 26 and I'm well no yeah and I'm 31 so five years depending on the time of year the fact that I waited I feel like I was in such a better position to choose a person who complimented me well can you relate to that I can and it's a unique story of how Dallas and I met each other Ooh, I want to hear it hopefully her dad doesn't listen to this <laughs> I can't imagine that he would listen to this. Right. If anything, I'll just like know where it is in the playlist and we can just hit like the, the 10 second ahead button. So we met on Bumble. Okay, cool. And there are a lot of people out there. Tons of people who do that. So but many. He's older. So I think he's like 73. Yeah. And, you know, the technology and everything. Like I enjoy like the time him and I get to spend together because he likes for me to help him with things like that. Mm -hmm. So we met on Bumble. We decided we were going to meet at Churchill Downs for like the first time we meet each other. And she's on like the third level. It's like where you have to have the ticket to go up. And I think I was there with, I know it was Dustin Garvin and oh. maybe Pat Thompson, maybe. Um, but she comes down from the stairs, gorgeous. She's like wearing black or something. I mean, I was just drooling i'm sure <laughs> so she comes up we introduce ourselves i introduce her to my friends she didn't bring her friends down with her but she has told me a story of like how her friends were like oh dallas is going to meet her future husband oh right and then so that tells you like how supportive her group is yeah after she walks away and we finish introductions my friends look at me and like yeah you don't have a fucking chance <laughs> and i'm like well, thanks, because... That's just the difference between boys and girls. That's right. Guys are just gonna be like, yeah, motherfucker, you are screwed. Bingo. <laughs> just because, like, they see her, and they just know, like, me, and they just know it's not going to work. But, you know, we go on a handful of dates, and then eventually she hits me with what a ton of guys have heard. It's like, you know, I'm just not ready for anything long-term, and I'm thinking, like, all right, well, you know, that's that's it. Well, later that year, her birthday is November 30th. So later that year, I'd shoot her like a, you know, happy birthday. And then... Very thoughtful. So then the next year, right after that, early summer, my birthday comes around, May 23rd. She hits me a happy birthday. Mm. Well, around the same time, I went down to Hilton Head, South Carolina. Oh, beautiful area. My family loves to vacation there. They used to... Both families used to like have a con or have a house there. They sold it whenever the kids went to college, as a lot of families do. But we were down there, and I met a restaurant called the Crazy Crab. And my uncle, like we had taken a picture, a family picture, as we're out to dinner. My uncle posts that picture on Facebook. Dallas sees it, and she sends me a text like, "Hey, are you at the Crazy Crab?" And I'm like, you know, I'm looking over my shoulder, thinking like, "Is she here?" and but since she had vacationed there for years and years, she knew exactly what was on the wall, what restaurant I was in. And then, you know, I bring up the like, hey, like, let's connect whenever I get back. Good opener. We did. We basically replicated our first date all over again. Mm -hmm. And then we've been together ever since. So you're back at Churchill Downs again? Well, that was like, I guess, like introduction. I don't really count that as like date one, I so guess. So what was date one? Because I'm curious now. So date one, we went to, I believe, went to Silver Dollar. Classy. And then Comfy Cow. Ooh, yes. Right. 
so in like the second meeting, basically the same thing. I think it was just like different times of the day. Yeah. So recreated that and just kind of hit it off again. You know, it felt good to be back around. I wasn't as nervous the second time around. I'd gone through some things in my life, like after losing my grandmother and just things at work. And I was feeling a little vulnerable. So it was a kind of a good time to open up about some things. Mm-hmm. And I think that honesty and that openness really like paved the foundation for for all these you know months to follow which has been very nice that is awesome it makes me i see the value that i get from my relationship and i see the way that she compliments me and how she brings things into my life that once i fully internalize them will improve me as a person like i still eat like a fucking child and she's always like, Mitchell, you have to eat a vegetable today. And I'm like, I don't want to. But eventually my will will break and I know that I will start eating healthier. And, and during times of my life when I'm not feeling as, like you said, like I'm, I'm, sometimes when things are challenging, I kind of like get in my shell a little bit and I revert back to negative patterns of behavior that used to like help me feel safe and like help me feel comfort. But when I'm really outside of those zones and where I really feel like I'm thriving, like I'm exercising way more than I was. I'm eating better than I was. And like, I know that once I can get back to a place, cause right now we kind of talked about this earlier. I'm struggling a little bit with my career and just like trying to find a positive path with that. So I've kind of backslid into some negative patterns of behavior. I put on like 10 pounds. I'm not proud of it. I'm working on it. But, uh, I know that once I get that shit figured out, that she's going to constantly be encouraging me to make positive decisions. And I just appreciate that so much. And just, I'm really, really glad to hear that you have something similar as that. Cause I know the value that it brings to me and kind of like what you were saying earlier. And I talked about this with Tim, the difference b- between what I want this podcast to be and what social media is, is social media is a curated representation of who we are as people. We only post the nicest parts of our day. We don't really talk about the baggage, and we don't really want to air that because right. it's it's just not intimate. Everybody can see it. But what I want this to be is a safe place where we can really connect with each other and where we can really show who we are as people and not be afraid of the judgment. And also, it's... N- if you're listening to this just because you want to hear that somebody else is failing so you can feel good about yourself, then I want you to stop listening right now. Yes. What I want you to do is I want you to hear the successes of your friends, hear the places where your friends need your support. And then I want you to reach out and give them that support and to love on them. And ultimately we have to lift each other up. We can't do this by ourselves. So, I'm really glad that you have that in your life and congratulations on your engagement. Thank you very much. Cause sir. that is a very awesome thing. It sure is. And I agree so much with what you're saying and I appreciate you having people on and, and doing this whenever, you know, you first reached out and we connected again, which, you know, I'd seen you at the softball park and mm-hmm. knew that, you know, you got married and different, you know, just growing as a person. But then 
I saw this, heard this, and I'm trying to internalize and think about it all. And what we were going back to earlier is like, I wish I would have known things about these people. Right. Because, I mean, I feel like I'm still kind of close with TJ and some of those people. I mean, we did spend some time together. They just haven't been that, you know, that first like 10 people that I hang out with all the time. Which people just grow their separate ways and that's fine. People get busy with their careers and family life. But, and there's just not enough time in the day to spend equal time with everyone. And people prioritize things over other things. But it's so nice to just spend that hour with those people whenever I do get to see them. And it's nice to hear, like you were saying, for me, I like seeing the positive because it makes everybody else so much happier. People have told me, because I think I've been in a bad mood versus a good mood more often. And it brings everybody else down. So my thing is like, that's my problem that I need to deal with. It's nobody else's problem. So how can I fix that? And then kind of change the mood and the direction of where the conversation I'm having at the time or just how the situation's kind of flowing, just bringing that up a notch. And sometimes it's very difficult to do because I may not have the patience for somebody at the time. <laughs> or I can relate to that a lot. Right. I just, if they don't see it like how I'm seeing it, it's like, but get it together. Right. You know? But maybe I'm not seeing it how they are. And that's something that I think comes with adulthood. And that's something that some people don't get. Like, there's a lot of times where I have to challenge myself and say, am I wrong? Because I could definitely be wrong. And that was not something I was willing to do when I was younger. I was right. I can relate. Listen, motherfucker, you think you got this figured out? Nope, I've got this figured out. And it took me finding out that I was wrong and, like, suffering the consequences of being wrong to finally get the, like okay, I'm definitely not infallible. So then it becomes like, okay, well then what can I learn? That's a big part of what I want this to be. I want to learn from the people that I'm talking to, like hearing people say that they've gone to therapy and knowing that I really haven't done that in my life, but knowing how much it impacted my dad. My dad went to therapy for years Mm -hmm. and seeing him impact how the impact that that's had on his life and how much he's improved from that and just how he's a different person than he used to be. Mm -hmm has really showed me the value and just hearing the, your perspective from it, like how you did it for a while. You got, you got through that challenging bit of things. You kind of got your feet back under you to where you could handle it on your own. So you didn't need to do it anymore, but every once in a while you would consider it. That feels like to me, like the healthy way of handling therapy. I, I do think that I will go back and I have given it some thought. Like I have the woman's number still. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about maybe even early as next week, reaching out just to give like another little session, just to see you're basically like maybe even just one time might be all it takes. That's right. The, um, a good book that I've read, we were talking about books earlier, the hit refresh Satya Nadella CEO of Microsoft. I think that F five button is good to do. I don't, there's no time it's not like every six months I need to do this. You feel it internally whenever it's time to just like take a look at your surroundings, understand them fully and what's going on, and then just making a little shift. Either it's a morning routine 
or how you're handling your work, clearing out an inbox before you leave by the end of the day. Just something, a small little tweak in life can have that ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I'm doing it as often because I can feel myself getting into those bad routines where mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'm waking up a little bit later and later each day because maybe work isn't going as well as I'd liked it. And, but everything else is going so good. So it's like, why isn't some of that good spilling over into this? And it just seems like the bad is always affecting everything. I don't want that. It's, um, but that is painful. That is everybody. And that's really what I'm also learning. And you might relate to this. Sometimes I feel like, and maybe it is because of like the social media culture. Like you compare yourself to everybody around you yes. constantly. You're constantly comparing yourself to everybody. And it's funny because he is a controversial figure, but this concept was first articulated to me by Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. He was telling a joke, or maybe it was the the uh, the show Louis. He's talking to his daughter, and he's like, you know, you shouldn't don't ever look into anybody else's bowl. The only time you should look into anybody else's bowl is if you're making sure that they've got enough. Otherwise, focus on yourself. And so it's like, I can't compare my achievements or my own growth to somebody else's because they're starting from someplace else. And really, I should just be focusing on, am I better than the me that used to be? And I'm really trying to to make that kind of like a mantra. Like, And I think that that is cultural, like personal growth. And that's a trend. That's a theme of the podcast. My main themes that I feel like are, one, community is valuable so let's invest in each other and let's love on each other and let's bring positivity to each other and then let's also know that when somebody else is bringing negativity that's just your chance to lift them up i like that message and then two personal growth everybody around you is learning and they're learning lessons that you not might not be learning and you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't try to learn some of the lessons that they're learning. So we can share these lessons with each other. And you've brought so much wisdom to the podcast, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. All right, guys, we can get back to our conversation with Troy in just a second. But first, while I have him here, I would feel pretty bad if I missed an opportunity to plug his company, Louisville Lawn & Home. Let's be honest. Everybody wants a beautiful, maintained, and manicured lawn. I take a lot of pride in my lawn myself, but I also spend a whole lot of time investing in it. And not everybody wants to spend their weekends slaving away in the summer heat behind a hot lawnmower, pushing it around the yard, changing the strings out of the weed eater, and getting dirty and sweaty and shit. It's not super fun. Not to mention, not everybody even has that weekend day to spare. Lots of us are parents. Not me. But I know how busy I am without kids, and I can't even imagine how you guys find time for anything, let alone lawn care, especially on the weekends. So that is where Troy and his company, Louisville Lawn & Home, come in. They can turn your lawn care dreams into a reality. Louisville Lawn & Home provides a wide variety of landscape services, including full lawn care, pressure washing services, and more. They have everything you need to turn your home and lawn into an image that you can be proud of. And I hate to mention it, guys, but it's true... A lot of us are in our 30s now. How much longer will it be before we're responsible for our parents' lawns? That's two lawns a week. Ain't nobody got time for that. But don't worry. Louisville Lawn and Home have you covered. And at the end of the day, you know they're an awesome company that you can trust. We're talking to the owner right now. And he's a cool-ass person. So if you or someone you know has a lawn that needs some love, 
reach out to Troy at Louisville Lawn and Home. Their email address is louisvillelawnandhome at gmail.com and start your journey towards a beautifully manicured lawn that you can be proud of. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. So when, when are you getting married? We're looking at, like we were talking earlier, it's the timing of our engagement, December 7th, just recently, 2019. So at that time, you know, unless we get on the horn right away and try and like book some times to go see some different venues and figure out what's available, it just seemed like we were going to be rushed. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to push it to like June of 2021, mm-hmm. which is totally cool with me. Yeah, it's like a year. It's not that bad. Exactly. You know, and it, I'm sure it's going to go quick. Um, oh, dude, it goes like that. Because of all the planning and preparation that goes into this while you're still juggling all of life. Mm-hmm. So doing that, we've got some things as early as next week to go look at some places. She's already done a lot of this and she values my input very much. But I've kind of like put a lot of this for her because I don't know, to me, all of that is still very important. Mm-hmm. But I like the nicest of things. She likes the nicest of things. I trust her decision making on right. this. So and there have been some times where like she has a little more flexibility in her schedule to go take a look at some of those things and I haven't. But this is still very early. Um I told her I basically like want to handle the bar and the decision making yeah. comes around then what type of bourbons. Right. But you're letting her be the shot caller. That's right. So we're going to check out some places, going to get married in a church and then have the reception somewhere else. And we were thinking about somewhere downtown Sealbach, the new distill hotel, mm. Whitehall and Lexington road. There's a ton of new hotels downtown. And the big thing is how they've redone whiskey row, mm-hmm. the new Lou area, I don't want to give away like some of the secrets and stuff that we've had, but um, maybe putting together like an itinerary for our families that are coming from out of town for them to have a chance to go out and see Louisville and see the new and exciting opportunities that the city has and chances for them to just, you know, go get a taste of downtown and the atmosphere that that is. Because that's something I'm so busy nowadays that I don't even get a chance to do. So while we're kind of handling all the madness, they can go out and enjoy themselves the day before. And then, you know, then we get down to business on what I'm assuming is going to be a Saturday. You're a, this is what I'm getting from you. You're a giver. You're thinking about the value that you can bring that to other changed. people. Really? That is, oh, I'm just so selfish. And I think I'm, like I said, I'm just trying to make up for some of that maybe lost time. And I don't know, anybody listening to this, I'm sure maybe like they've been around me, not in like my best moments. And they know what I'm talking about right now of one of those selfish times or many of those selfish times. So I kind of, I just want to shift things in the complete, just different direction because I've seen whenever I, I am making good decisions and being positive. How much better life is. I mean, I breathe just so like things. I'm just more relaxed and things are going so much well for me now versus in the time whenever I was lying and hiding things from people that I really cared about. And 
I just need to be more honest with myself. And that opened up, open, will open up the door to many more opportunities, whether it's, you know, my career or family or. Do you think this is something that Jake said in his podcast? And it's something I didn't think about for me. Like the challenges that I faced as a kid were always so defining. And I don't know if I've talked about them a lot, but like, my dad had a drinking problem. There was definitely some mental health issues that he was dealing with from experiences that he had, his own trauma that just kind of spilled over. And that those challenges, I kind of assumed that I was the only one dealing with those and I let them kind of become my identity. And I thought, man, I'm just at such a detriment. It's holding me back. And then Jake gave me a perspective that kind of changed my mind. And actually, it's something that I'd heard other people say, but I wasn't sure. I guess I hadn't internalized it yet. I think Joe Rogan talked about it on his podcast. I'm a big fan of Joe's podcast. I like Joe. And he basically said, like, I'm trying to make sure that my kids are comfortable and safe and that they don't have a whole lot of trauma in their lives. But... I'm afraid that I'm making them less interesting and then ultimately maybe even making them less capable. Do you feel like because we came from, you know, the South end of Louisville traditionally, like a lot of people dealing with a lot of the same bullshit, not as high up on the socioeconomic status, potentially dealing with some mental health issues and Mm -hmm. some drug abuse issues. And the fact that we had to deal with that shit coming up. Jake's perspective on it was he felt like he was privileged to have that. It wasn't necessarily ideal, but because he had to deal with that, it had a lot to do with his character. And it helped him grow into a person who, one, had a little bit of resiliency, who could bounce back from a challenging situation because he'd had to in the past. But also, it had made him a more interesting and maybe even a more empathetic person. And it had set him up to realize, like, okay, I do have to change. I have to grow out of these patterns of behavior. And I'm hearing you talk about a lot of your growth, how you feel like you've become, you've shifted from being a taker into being a giver. You've shifted from being a selfish person into a person who's more empathetic and cares about other people more. Do you think that has to do with the fact that when you were coming up, like, there were challenges that you had to deal with? I've already heard you talk about how you are a very capable and you you are very i guess self-reliant person that you can get your shit done and you don't necessarily need other people to help you get along with that like when you said like when you were younger you were getting yourself up and getting yourself to school all by yourself i definitely wasn't doing that do you think it had something to do with like your upbringing and the challenges that were there i think those kind of unique childhood experiences i mean i credit everything i'm doing today to whatever, to all of that and the upbringing. And I can relate to what Jake is saying. I do see some of that. What I've struggled with is that I've just always wanted something different. So being able to understand where I came from and know that there are some great benefits to that, I think that's something that I just, I didn't want to see for the longest time. And now that I'm older, trying to understand that, I just wish I would have done this so much earlier on. Yeah, It's challenging for me to know that I just like shoved people away and wasn't 
accepting of what they were trying to do for me because it always came from a place of love. And looking at it now, it's did I maybe hurt some of those relationships? It doesn't always feel like it, but I do. There's like sparks every once in a while where I feel like I'm just not as close with that person that maybe I could have been, but I don't need to think about it that way. No, you just cherish what we have today and build from that. Right. And I need to just, it's every once in a while, just, you know, smacking myself of like, just be just a little more cheerful. Remember that where you're at today, you're going to grow from that position. And if you continue to worry about the past, you're never going to move on from like the spot you're in now. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm sure I will always continue to struggle with only because there are these like traumatic experiences that I've gone through and I just give them way too much thought. Oh gosh, dude, me too. And I don't even, I don't want to try to compare our experiences to each other because that's just foolishness. Yeah. Really everyone's as unique. Yes. Everybody right. has those challenges and I think ultimately your message on this podcast has been super positive. I'm really excited about it right now. I hope. I'm 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 stoked about editing it. I'm stoked about sharing it with people. I think people are really going to relate and are going to appreciate this side of you. Something that Tim said that was definitely true is like when you're hanging out with people, you don't have these types of conversations. You're bullshitting 99% of the time it's small talk. You don't really dive into who that person is or how their experiences have kind of shaped who they are. Mm -hmm. But that's really important. And that's something you have to understand. Like you need that context. And if you don't have that context, it's hard to love that person fully. And to break through whatever those obstacles are to have those conversations. Right. You need to, you know, pull away from, I don't know, whatever is like holding you back from doing that. It's taken me a long time to have those types of conversations. Tim and I have talked close about family and things, but whenever we're, it's like the more people and the more elements you bring into it, the less likely those conversations are going to happen. Right. It does kind of have to be intimate. It turns into, you know, if there's a group of people here, I'm maybe less likely to share some of what I'm sharing now, even though I know you know, a ton of people are going to be listening to this, which is great. I mean, it's great for you. Great for me. It's going to be nice for me to go back and hear some of this because that'll be a time where I can reflect not only on this conversation, but that's also going to serve as a reminder whenever I'm not in the best spot, Mm -hmm. maybe emotionally. That's awesome. Now let's try to take this. Let's, do you have any fun stories or anything like that you want to share? Because I feel like we're coming to a place. It's one thirty. I've got I've got some stories. Perfect. And then we can wrap this up in the next like twenty or thirty minutes. Because yeah. I don't I don't want to keep you here all day. A lot of stories come from high school, college. Some those are some of the best. Those are the ones that people really appreciate hearing too. Right. Um, like things from college or things from high school. Let's start there. Um, I remember doing like donuts by the tech building. Yeah. So in that little small patch of grass over there, I was with Cody Cundiff. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm hanging out with Cody and I'm in my little truck, little five speed and I'm doing donuts in that area. (laughs) And I wrecked into one of the poles (laughs) 
<laughs> like, like a light pole? Like the poles that like held up like the little awning, like walking, like I guess over to towards. To the tech building. Yeah. Oh, okay. And like put a huge dent in the side of my car or the truck. And then I show up, you know, at I stayed at Cody's that night because he lived right there on Sky Blue. I show up the next day at home and my mom's boyfriend, Bruce, was like, what happened? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I just got so mad and like kicked the side of the truck. And he was like, what do you mean you kicked the side of the truck? Just throwing, just making him, you're just lying about it. Right. And whenever he probably wouldn't have been as mad if I would just told him about me doing donuts and <laughs> slamming into that. So that's something that's a little, you know. Did you get caught doing that? Did no, it? no, oh, no. Oh, really? Wow. Did not get caught for doing that. And then um, Scoot and I got suspended from school because, so we were in like the humanities um, little group. I did it both junior and senior year. But senior year, it was the um, humanities group that like would travel around to see different musicals okay. and theater programs. We went and took like an annual trip to New York City. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're in New York City, staying, it was like a Best Western or something. Right, it's Close a high school to Times Square. Yeah, we're on like 47th Street or something. <laughs> Just Still tight, though, still cool. Right, it's in like March, so it's still pretty cold in New York City. Well, I had a little more freedom that year because I had been the year before. Mm-hmm. Coach Fott was up there, the older Fott. And he knew that I'd been there before, that like... I mean, my mom had just passed and like, you know, it just it kind of gave me a longer leash than some of the other kids. Well, then I had also shared with him that Bruce, my mom's, like, you know, boyfriend or whatever at the time, um, the father of my brother, mm-hmm. has a child. He had a son up there that was going to NYU. Gotcha. So I left one day. And went down to Greenwich Village and like hung mm. out in a record store with Adam. Oh, that's so cool. And just shot the shit for a while. And then met back up with Scoot. And I remember us going to Chinatown. And, you know, the people selling like the knockoff bags, blah, blah, blah. Well, we popped in a liquor store. And as soon as I walked in, the lady's like, oh, you know, I remember you. And we start talking. And I just kind of played it off. So like, you didn't know this woman? I had no idea. I mean, I'm in New York City. Second time I'd ever been in New York City. First time I'd ever been in this liquor store. And I got two pints of Jim Beam. Okay. And then we got like a couple two liters mm-hmm. of just like Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper or whatever it was. We take we sneak those back in to the hotel where we're staying. And at night, they put like playing cards or something in our door to where they know like if the card had fallen out, they knew that we had gotten out of our room. Right. Well, Scoot and I used the fire escape to like, we like took screws out of the, yeah. You guys were definitely. We were, we were breaking some rules. <laughs> and I was say you were like, I want to say innovators, but that's not the word I'm looking for here. Uh, but anyway, yeah, go ahead. So we're take, we take the screws out of this window in the bathroom, open up the window, get on the fire escape and either up or down. I can't remember go into like the girls room mm. and like get drunk and you know, we're drinking this stuff and then, you know, the girls drinking too. Oh, the girls were drinking. Oh yeah. And so fun was being had, you know, inappropriate stuff. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, 
We go back to our room. Nobody finds out during the trip. And then word gets around when we're back at school the next week. Because I guess somebody was talking about it. Girl was talking about it. And then somebody overheard Mm -hmm. somebody else that was on the trip. But being jealous that she wasn't involved in any of this, I guess. And then snitches to, you know, faculty at school. Damn. And then like Mr. Jennings, you hear like over the intercom, like such and such report to the office and they're down there having conversations. And he's like interrogating people in his office about who saw what on this trip. And I finally get down there. And I'm pretty sure it was Scoot and I both at the same time. He's asking us. So, so the 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 story had gotten around, and they knew that you guys absolutely were okay. Oh yeah, knew about the liquor, knew about the whole thing. And damn, people did not even try to have your all's back. Huh? It was terrible. And so we deny, deny, deny. Of course, of course. And then jinx. <laughs> and then. They finally suspend us to the board for like a week. Damn. And I remember getting suspended. But at the time, since my mom had passed away like Mm -hmm. five months earlier, my grandma, since I would be turning 18, I guess in the, that may. So a couple months away, she had still like, we didn't file any paperwork for guardianship or anything. So I'm 17 and uh, we go to the board and have a conversation and then I got to come back to school like the next day because I didn't have a guardian Mm -hmm. and they couldn't talk to anybody about it. So somehow I got to come back to school. Well, I come back to school and I don't, everybody's like high fiving me. (laughs) They like learned about (laughs) this story and I was a legend. And that was a pretty cool little experience because so many things like, People thought it was like Stephanie Kiefer's mom that like bought us this alcohol because mm-hmm. she was like the cool mom. Was she there? Was she on the trip? She was, she was on chaperone? the trip. She was one of the chaperones. But it was me. So here we are, <laughs> you know, 12, almost 13 years later. And, you know, I guess I'm finally owning up to it. That's amazing. That is such an awesome story. So what ended up happening? Nothing really? Nothing. I think Scoot still got in trouble. I'm pretty sure... Maybe some of the girls that were involved got in trouble. Um, yeah, that's a good one from high school. That's probably one of my most memorable experiences. That is hilarious. In college, as far as you know, funny story goes, we were generally drunk. Well, that's college. With almost anything. <laughs> um, I, um, I'm in, so Bowling Green has this square mm-hmm. downtown. It's just like, you know, a block, mm-hmm. you know, a few blocks make up this little four blocks, I guess, make up this square. And they have a little archway. There's like a little mini Central Park mm-hmm. area, just a little walkway area in the middle of the square. And there's this concrete arch. And I got on top of the arch. Holy crap. How did you do that? I just got you just know, scaled it? the side of this thing and, you know, climbed up on there wow. and was, you know, screaming some profanities at the cops, <laughs> which they didn't really take too well. Of course. Got not. down, was arrested. Um, but that was pretty good. Well, then one of the pictures of me being up on this arch is like surfacing on Facebook or whatever. And some girl that like I'd never know, known before this. And I think somehow like, 
I saw her on campus and she was like, are you the guy that like got arrested for like standing on the arch? Um, it's like I had gotten into some mischief childhood, high school, college. It just kind of been, you know, I've kind of snowballed it into some bigger things, I guess, but that's amazing. You were like a legend at that point. You were the dude who scaled the arch. That's right. I still have the picture. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, if you could send that to me, you would you it. care if I shared it to people? No, no, no. That'd be good. Though. That would be amazing. I put it on people the Instagram the page. That'll be beautiful. Dude, this was a lot of fun. I agree, man. The ultimate, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we need to do this again. I'm going to try to set up an opportunity for us to do like a, a, a four-person one. Like a Mola one would be great. Okay. Um, I don't know when that'll be, but I'll be in touch. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, man. No, and everybody else that's kind of gone on, I think that's... I was going to come on regardless, whether I was the first guest or the last guest, um, only because it's so good to just reconnect. Yeah. But to everybody else that's also done a podcast, I just want to thank them because it, you know, it relieves maybe some of those stressors that you have about coming and sharing a little bit, but it's so good to hear everybody else's story. And I think that's the most important piece. So, dude, this was amazing. I've yeah, had man, just enough wine to be in a fantastic state of mind. So, cheers. Cheers to that. All right, brother. I love you. Thank you so much for doing love this. Love you too, man. Thanks. See ya. All right, guys. There it is. That's the end. Conversation is over. Yeah, I hope you aren't super heartbroken. These things always end too soon. I, I don't know. I've been trying to figure out how to do something about it, but up to this point, I can't figure it out. Troy was a wonderful guest. We had a really fun conversation. I loved talking to him, but I'm excited because I think he had a good time too, and I think he'd be willing to come back and do another podcast. So if you guys love Troy, don't worry. I'm going to try my best to get him back in the chair and have another conversation with him and maybe some other guys. As always, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please rate the show, leave us a good review, say something nice about me, maybe say something nice about one of your favorite friends. It really helps the show. It lets people know what we're doing here and how you guys feel about it. So five stars would be appreciated. And also, guys, if you're not following the Facebook page or the Instagram page, you really should check it out. There's also a Facebook community group. On Facebook, it's just friends pod. On Instagram, it's just friends.com podcast guys this community has existed for 20 years now maybe even longer depending on when some of you guys met there are newer members there are older members but regardless the community is there and we should invest in each other and hopefully we can spread the word a thousand years ago humans used to sit around the fire and bullshit and share stories with each other and share wisdom with each other and support and encourage and love on one another and there are just fewer and fewer opportunities for us to do that now. So when we get the chance to hang out in person and really gather together, I know how valuable that is. And hopefully this is the next best thing. So let's share this community with our friends. Let's do our best to pour out into each other and encourage one another because we need each other. I know I need you guys. And I love you. And I hope you have an amazing week. Bye.